Hey friend, on December 30th of 2021, just a few weeks back, my husband and I celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. So awesome. We absolutely love going on regular dates and we had scheduled something extra fancy for this night. But what happened was the night before our anniversary, I ended up not feeling well. So we canceled our reservations and opted just to stay home, just to be safe. But we put the kids to bed, sat out on our back patio next to the fire, looking up at the clear starry sky and simply reflecting on our last 17 years of marriage. It was so, so beautiful to me that we could just sit outside all greasy and grungy, just hanging out and laughing hysterically for our anniversary. We just had so much fun and both of us just feeling completely satisfied and fulfilled. I thought to myself, this is the perfect night. My heart was so full just enjoying my husband and I'm truly thankful for what God has done in each of us because it's just God and he continues to work in us individually and as a couple and I wanted to share a few key points that we both felt have been valuable on our journey. We've definitely come a long way and what ended up coming up was really the heart of the matter when it comes to building a God-centered fulfilling marriage and I wanted to pour out some encouragement perspective and truth to you today so whether you're simply in a relationship or you're a newlywed or you've been married for much much longer than me I hope that this conversation reignites the root of marriage and encourages you forward welcome back to the nourishing mompreneur podcast where we get encouraged and empowered as we pursue our greatest potential within the walls of our home. Hey mama, my name is Michelle High, and I'm so thankful you're here. Do you feel like your life is good, but something in you feels unfulfilled? Do you feel stuck in the trenches of motherhood, exhausted and working so hard, but feeling like you're getting nowhere? Do you have big dreams you hold in your heart, but you've been living small? Are you motivated for more, but don't have the clarity or the courage to do anything about it? Do you want to discover God's best and see if it's really possible to be an excellent wife, an intentional mother, and be successful in business, all for the glory of God? As a wife of 16 years, a homeschooling mama of five, and an entrepreneur, I know exactly how you feel, every bit of it. I truly believe that the most important work you will ever do is within the walls of your home and that there is purpose in every season. If you are a fellow business-minded mama with a heart for home and a love for Jesus, let's process this journey and grow together. So I originally thought that I would have a spontaneous conversation with my husband for this podcast. After all, he has told me many times before that like I, I should talk more about marriage because it is so important. I talk a lot about motherhood and business and mindset and heart set for life from a biblical perspective, but I don't dig into the topic of marriage too much. So I'm excited to talk about this a little bit today. But when I thought about getting my husband to sit still, still is the keyword next to me, to share a mic, to have an intentional and productive conversation, I thought, um, yeah, this is not gonna work. Not yet, not yet at least. I mean, we're for sure. I'm gonna bring him on the show one time. He's amazing, it's gonna be great. But I was like, mm, let's let's not yet. <laughs> All that to say, my husband and I, Tyler, we are opposite in personality. And I'd venture to guess that you and your husband are pretty different too. We are perfect for one another though. The things that are so different about us, those do cause struggles because we're different. 
However, it's those very differences that make us amazing together. It makes us the perfect team. So I just want this to be a reminder that the differences in habits, perspectives, personalities, it's what makes you and your husband incredible together. So don't forget that. This past Sunday, as I was getting ready, the Lord dropped in my heart the phrase, the friction brings the fire. And although this was not spoken in my heart specifically towards my marriage or a relationship, it completely applies to this conversation because the friction that you feel maybe often with your spouse, the struggles of differences that you have with him, they are doing something and let them be the very thing that when surrendered to the Lord sparks fire in your relationship and keeps the love burning for many years to come. Your differences they're really a gift and they can work for your good if you allow them to. So my husband, Tyler, and I, we make a phenomenal team. I'm so proud of the life and the family that we've built and that God has blessed us with, but we have so much more to learn and grow in for sure. I was actually talking to a friend last night. She was asking me about motherhood and she was like, is this what you had in mind when you envisioned motherhood and your marriage? Like, how did you know kind of how you were going to develop your family or what this was going to look like. Is this what you had in your heart? And I thought about, it. I was like, I don't really know because we don't really have the same marriage dynamic or raise our children the same way my parents did. And we also don't do things the same way Tyler's parents did. We really have just kind of grown up together and grown up in our family and built a life together. And it's beautiful because every family, every marriage it's all going to be different. It's all unique, but it's precious. It's precious. So we've just got to seek the Lord. And like I said, we've grown so much. We have a long way to go. And I just want to start out by saying that our marriage isn't perfect. No one's is. It's the imperfections that actually create the opportunities for growth and for more of God to be pressed into the relationship. So I just want to give a truly humble disclaimer so that you know that I'm with you on this journey. So on our anniversary, as we were sitting by the fireside, we talked about a few key marriage tips that have been valuable to us over the years. We've been through a lot, 11 moves, three states, five kids. We've done a ton in the process. So there's so much that I could say when it comes to the topic of, I don't know, marriage advice, if you will. But we ended up at the heart of the matter when it comes to marriage, because there is only one thing that's going to help you hold out for the long haul and truly thrive in your marriage. So I want to share that with you in just a few minutes, but I'm going to give you five marriage tips today from my husband and I, from our heart, what we have really valued and what's been important to us. So the first thing I want to mention is just talk about the value of selflessness and humility. You know, I remember so clearly on our honeymoon, we went on our honeymoon and we just had the best time. Obviously, it's a honeymoon. <laughs> and we were so happy and selfless. And it was one of those things. It's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, we just, all we wanted to do was make the other person happy. We were so selfless. And then we came back, moved into our home, and life started. And I remember the first few weeks of marriage, we started having some disagreements and there was some tension. I was like, man, what in the world? Like, what, what happened? What changed? And I realized right from the get-go of marriage that, oh yeah, I'm just being selfish. It's like, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't think that. That's not what I had in mind. It was just this 
me, me, me mentality. And so I think it's really important for every relationship, but especially in our marriage, that we really stay humble and understand that humility creates unity and love our spouse the way they need to be loved because we're all so unique. And it's really important that we always seek to honor and love the other, our husband, the way he needs it because we're so different. There's this uh, meme. It's so funny. It's like five love languages of coffee. So it says affirmation or like words of affirmation. You would say your coffee is delicious. Acts of service would be, I made you coffee. Receiving gifts would be, here's a coffee. Quality time would be, let's go get a coffee. And physical touch would be, let me hold you like a cup of coffee. It's so funny because for me, I'm totally acts of service. Like make me a coffee. That's loving to me. Like do my laundry. That's love. And my husband's the opposite. He's physical touch. So he's like, let me hold you like coffee. Let me just love me, touch me, cuddle me. Like he needs love. And so we're so different in that way, but it's funny to recognize. And it's really, really important because part of loving your husband well is learning to communicate well. And we all know this is just relationship 101. Communication is huge. It's everything in a relationship. So understand that learning to communicate well is loving to your husband and just seek to be selfless and humble in your marriage. Okay. Point number two or tip number two. This is for my husband because <laughs> this is not, this has not been the strong point for me and on my end, but he says, always be the first one to apologize and never go to bed angry. That's been something that he's valued from the beginning of our marriage. And I remember when we first got married, probably the first year, there was a few times that I was mad and I was trying to go to bed angry. I don't want to look at him. I don't want to touch him. Like I was just like, I wanted to be mad and I wanted him to know that I was mad. And that was that. And he would not let me go to sleep. He literally would like poke and prod me, like keep me awake. It was made me, it made me extra mad, but he wanted to make things right before we went to bed. And I just thought it was ridiculous and I didn't get it. Of course I was young and immature and whatever. But the point is, is that he was willing to fight for the sake of fighting for unity in our marriage. And I'm so glad that he fought for this, even though it was super annoying in the moment because it allows us, it allowed us to start a habit of keeping a clean slate of offense because it's really important because we are going to be offended and frustrated at our spouse. I mean, that's not new news, but we need to deal with it immediately. We really want to always make it right before we go to bed to the best of our ability because what happens is we go to bed and we sleep and we chill out, our emotions settle and we wake up the next day and we feel better, but yet it's not really resolved. And so what happens is we have this offense that's really still there and we start to filter our spouse through that lens of offense and there's this compound effect and things build up and build up and build up and it becomes a problem and so i really want to encourage you to at all cost make whatever effort you can to make things right with your spouse to not go to bed angry and i understand that relationships they are a two-way thing but even if you can't find a place of peace with your spouse before the day's over or they're completely unwilling to do their part to make things right, just find a place in your heart where you can fully be at peace with God, knowing that you have forgiven him and you've let go, surrendering your right to be right. And also, I just want to mention to give the benefit of the doubt. I think 
so many times in marriage, we need to just give grace to our husbands and we have to offer up that forgiveness. And it's kind of that prayer like, oh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But seriously, if you think about it, when we struggled with holding on with to, to frustrations against them or we have a hard time forgiving them, we need to remember the spirit of Christ that's within us. We need to remember that Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, being ridiculed, mocked, spit on, brutally beaten, unrecognizable, like it was inhuman what they did to him, excruciating pain, miserable. And even as he's on the cross dying, they're still ripping into him with insults. They're still treating him horrible. And even in that moment, in the worst, lowest place, the most painful space that any human could be, he looks down and his prayer is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes we always focus on, oh, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. So we have the victory in Christ. And yes, we do. But we have to also remember that the same spirit that gave Jesus the power to forgive his enemies and give them not the benefit of the doubt, but just say, hey, Father, like they don't even know what they're doing. Just forgive them. That same spirit of Jesus hanging on the cross, it is the same spirit that lives in you if you're a believer. So you have the power to forgive no matter what your husband did, no matter what. And if you have to just say that prayer, like, God, just forgive him. He doesn't even know what he did. He doesn't know how he hurt me. He doesn't know what he's done here. But Lord, through your spirit, I forgive him anyway. That's the place you need to be. So forgive quickly, forgive often, forgive always, and don't let bitterness take root. Okay, tip number three, I want to remind you that the battle is not against flesh and blood. I can't remember how many years we were into our marriage. I was listening to somebody preach and they just brought this to light and I had never really thought of it this way because so many times we look at our husband as the target of an argument or disagreement, but I want you to know that there's an enemy at work in your marriage and he's got one goal. It's to kill, to steal, and to destroy it. So get angry with the devil and engage in spiritual warfare rather than fueling the war in your marriage. So many times we put the focus on the wrong person, if you will. And there's really somebody else involved that needs to be crushed because we have the victory. We do have that victory. And what I'm learning is that spiritual warfare from a kingdom perspective, it looks so, so different than how we would naturally think to fight through a situation. It looks like keeping your mouth shut and fixing your eyes and your heart and your emotions on Jesus when stones are being thrown at you. It looks like fasting and prayer. It looks like whether physically or just humbly of posture of your heart, it looks like washing your enemy's feet or what feels like an adversary. There are times when we go to battle and we take action But there's also times where we just need to walk around the walls of Jericho in our own lives and worship. It's only a miracle of God that will cause the victory. And we have to just know him. We have to know what he's saying. And he'll give us the strategy with how to fight. Because like I said, sometimes we take action and sometimes we just keep our mouth shut and we worship. It looks different. Each situation is different, but we have to know his heart. We have to trust him. We have to ask him what we're to do. 
So I just want to encourage you to remember in your relationship with your spouse that you are not against him. You are he is not your enemy when you are having an argument or a disagreement. The battle is not against flesh and blood. You have another adversary. So put your attention and your attack, your words, your warfare towards him, the true enemy. All right, tip number four. Don't try to change your husband. Influence him. (laughs) There's this quote. It's so true. So funny. And I actually gave it to, um, I told it to a friend recently when I was getting married. Um, Great marriage advice, you know. Uh, I said, unless he wears diapers, you can't change him. And it's so true. I mean, when we were first married, I remember the first year of our marriage, I tried so hard to change Tyler's health habits. I had this vision. I was like, we're going to be this super fit couple. We're going to run races and take bike rides and eat all this organic food. And like, I had this vision for us. And um, yeah, it was not his vision. <laughs> and it was so frustrating to me. And so I finally, I finally stopped trying to change him. And over the years, I've learned the power of influence. And guess what? He really actually listens to me now in all areas. It's, it's been such a beautiful transformation. I have his trust. I have my husband's ear. He values what I have to say in the big and the small things. I mean, just yesterday, he was making a business decision. But before he made that, he counseled with me first to make sure that I was on board. I don't do business. I'm not involved with his company and his real estate and all the things that he does, but he understood the importance of us being in unity. He understood that I'm his wife and we're one. And that even though I don't have all the information, I don't need that because I have a sense of wisdom and discernment that he needs in his life. And we're to work together in that. And so that's just a beautiful thing. But you know what? It's come a long way. It hasn't always been like that. I can't tell you for how many years you know, I've watched my husband make choices that I'm like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a mistake, but I've just kind of kept my mouth shut because he had to grow. He's had to learn. I've had to give him the space to grow. I'm a very like steady personality and he's entrepreneur extremist. He's all in with this or all in with that. And so he's not afraid to take risks and try new things, but he hasn't always counseled with me in the process. And so because of that, there's been some you know, some poor, poor decisions. And he would tell you today, he's like, yeah, I should listen to my wife or she knew better. She was right. Like he would tell you that he wouldn't be afraid to say that. But the beautiful thing is that over the years he's learned, wow, like my wife is a gift to me and I can listen to her and her counsel matters. But that's only through our growth in Christ and our maturity. And it takes time. It takes patience. And I totally understand if you're not there yet in your marriage or if that's not the situation. But give your husband the grace to grow and just be patient in the process and make sure that you have his trust. But just let God work in his life. And I'm so thankful. One of the things in our marriage, I just feel like we've both given each other the opportunity to grow, like to be ourselves to do things. Yeah, just to grow independently, but yet together. I don't know if I'm, that's making sense or I don't word that correctly, but let me just give you a verse here because I think this is really, really important. First Peter 3, 1 through 6. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands 
Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Another version, the Passion Translation says, Be devoted to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word of God, your kind conduct may win them over without saying a thing. For when they observe your pure, godly life before God, it will impact them deeply. Ladies, you have the power of influence. You have, you can't change your husband, but you can influence him. And it is, it's real. And that verse continues and it says, don't be concerned about outward beauty or fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy woman of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Ladies, you hold the key to influencing your husband to right behavior. But guess what? It doesn't come by nagging and talking and questioning and debating or silence treatment or any other strategies or games you might think are going to help your husband change. It is only the Lord that can change him. But are you influencing him towards the Lord in the way you honor him, love him, and respect him? Are you cultivating fertile and gentle soil for God to work in his life? Or is your heart hardened and cold towards him? I know this takes so much patience. I know it takes a lot of self-control to zip your lips. Ultimately, it takes sacrifice. But like I already said, give your husband the grace to grow and trust God deeper. What did it say in the verse? It said, they put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. It's interesting that the trust precedes their ability to submit to their husbands. It's important that we allow our husbands to grow because we need the grace to grow in our own lives. We desire that. I know you do. And one of the best ways that you can influence your husband and love him biblically is to honor and respect him, even when he's undeserving. The sore spots in your marriage are opportunities for you to reveal Jesus to your husband if you choose to act like him. And I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what your husband's done to you. I don't know what hurts you hold. I don't know all of the things, but all I know is that you can do your part. And it can only come from a transformed heart, which is why the heart of the matter of marriage, the root of unity and fulfillment and joy and peace in your marriage, it can only be found in Jesus. Because that's where transformation comes from, when we know him and we abide in him. You will pursue your greatest potential in your marriage if you pursue the person of Jesus. This is success in your marriage. It's God that is the glue that will hold you together. And no amount of therapy, counseling, Sunday morning services, or sneaky wifey tactics are going to make up for the fact that we all need God to be in the center. 
when Tyler and I got married, we lit the unity candle. And during that time, we played a really old, simple song called Jesus Be the Center. It just simply said, Jesus, be the center. Be my source. Be my light. Jesus, be the center. Be my hope. Be my song. And at the fresh age of 19 and 20 years old, we did not understand how much this was going to need to be more than a song during a ceremony, but Jesus being the center was going to have to be the root of our marriage. It's the glue that held us together, that holds us together. But what does that even mean? How do you keep Jesus at the center, as nice as it sounds? Well, it's that word that's been on replay on this podcast over and over again for the past nine months. Surrender. This absolutely starts with your personal relationship with the Lord, which is why all these conversations we've been having are so important. Your marriage is being impacted by your ability to yield to your Heavenly Father. God's heart for marriage, in Ephesians 5, it says, And out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. For wives, this means being devoted to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husbands, provide leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church as the savior and reviver of the body. In the same way, the church is devoted to Christ. Let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. Other versions, many versions, say submit. Submit to your husbands as you submit to the Lord. And I know that you can't control your husband. You can't make him love you the way you need to be loved. I know he's not perfect. I know you've been hurt at times. Maybe so deeply hurt that trust has been damaged. I know it's been a hard road. And there's a million reasons why a transformation in your marriage seems like a far-fetched dream. But I want to encourage you to simply do your part. I know the Bible uses the word submit here. And I know that... This has been most confusing and controversial term, and it's just been hard to grasp. And quite frankly, the church, they just don't speak on it because it's really hard to define without causing major upheaval and offense. So I'm going to submit to you the definition of submit. When I looked it up in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, as it applies to this verse, what it says is to yield oneself to the authority or will of another surrender. Right before one of the hardest seasons in my marriage, like year seven, I read this book that was all about being a helpmate to your husband. And it was very conservative. It was very difficult for me to swallow. Like I really wrestled with it, but it opened my eyes to some solid truths that I needed in my life. I got married young and I never really saw a lot of marriages or had a lot of examples. And I just didn't know what it was like, what what that word submit to your husband really meant. I mean, all I kind of saw or knew was a woman who was very in charge, kind of wore the pants of the family, really was, um, yeah, in that role. And I don't know that I agree with everything in the book, but it did have a lot of solid advice that I needed. And it helped me stand strong during a challenging year with so much change in our life. 
And one thing though that I wanted to share is that I've never forgotten the part and it just said, God stands by you as you stand by your man. So wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, please don't give up. I truly believe that there is hope for your marriage because there is hope in the Lord. So hold on a little longer. And let me just explain a little bit more. What I'd like for you to do is to give the passage of scripture that I just read a new perspective and receive it with fresh eyes, with a heart of surrender. I know the word submit can be such a triggering word, but I want you to understand what God's heart is. It's that you surrender first to him, and then you'll be able to with your husband. This is true love. John 15, 13 says, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life to his friends. How can you truly love your husband without being willing to surrender? Because love is sacrificial and the sacrifice of your surrender is a pleasing fragrance to the Lord. So don't feel condemned or oppressed or like, Oh, he's the boss and I just have to do what he said, what he says. I think there's just so much confusion around the word submit and around these verses in the Bible, but I just want to encourage you to always in your marriage and all areas of life, posture your heart in a place of surrender and understand that it does take sacrifice, but it's worth it because he is worth it. Don't focus on your husband. Focus first on God. He is the answer and the source to finding security and satisfaction in your marriage. One thing I've learned these past few months is I've navigated a very difficult relationship. One where there's been major hurt, (laughs) repeated offense. I've been wronged, very, very wronged. And simply trust has been broken. It's, yeah, a lot to that. But what I came to the conclusion was like, I can't change this person. And I know that I'm not trying to, but in order for me and my heart to move on towards complete healing and true love in this relationship, I need to rebuild trust. And even though it seems impossible, like it would take forever, what I've understood is that my trust towards this person has nothing to do with their earning it or their change in behavior. It has everything to do with my trust in God. I have to trust God more than this person so that I can overcome. So what I'm trying to say is that if you need more trust in your marriage, trust God more. You need more love towards your husband. Learn to love God more deeply and even better. Learn to open yourself up to receiving more of his great love that is freely given. You need more patience and long suffering in your marriage. Thank Jesus for the opportunity to share in the suffering that he experienced while he was here on this earth and thank him for the grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower you to hold on. You need forgiveness towards your husband. Embrace the forgiveness that you've been given with Jesus giving his life for you and say that little prayer again, Father, forgive him. He knows not what he does. That's what Jesus did. God's heart for your marriage is unity. It's oneness. And you won't find that without him. You want to seek oneness with your father, your heavenly father, and that will transform your heart to transform your marriage. 
it goes in that order. I could go on and on, but I want you to understand that whatever you're lacking in your marriage, whatever you're longing for, whatever you're waiting for, whatever you've been through, just know that your answer is choosing to put Jesus first, put him in the center, and it's going to be found in your surrender. The Bible says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, as to the Lord. So get on your knees again and lay down your life for the Lord. He will transform your heart so that surrendering to your husband in your marriage, it's going to come with ease. Honor will be able to flow. You can love and respect him in a way that honors the Lord, regardless of his past or his part or what he's done. Surrendering yourself to the Lord is surrendering yourself to your husband. So just focus on him the him that you can't see, that's Jesus, rather than the him, your husband, that you do see. The more we get used to saying yes to the Lord, the more we can love our spouse well and say yes to serving and honoring him well. I know it's not easy, but it's worth it. I know marriage is work. It's always going to be work, but it's worth it. It's beautiful. And you have to fight for your marriage because your marriage is going to be the thing that allows you to be the mother you're supposed to be. And from having a home in order, your marriage and your children, you're going to be able to thrive in business and pursue those goals and those dreams that you have in your heart. It matters. And I just want to bring to light the heart of marriage and the heart of unity and the heart of Jesus being at the center. He is the glue. So let me just recap these tips really quick because we just went over quite a bit. And the first thing was be selfless and humble, knowing that humility creates unity and always seek to love your spouse the way he needs to be loved. Again, that's a sacrifice. Number two, always be the first one to apologize. Don't go to bed angry. Number three, remember and recognize that the battle is not against flesh and blood. So oppose the true enemy in those disagreements and in those battles that you're facing in your marriage. Number four, don't try to change your husband. Influence him. Influence him by your godly behavior. Without even a word, just live your life out loud and trust the Lord's leadership in your life even if you feel like you can't trust your husband's leadership at times. And number five, keep Jesus at the center through surrender. First to the Lord, then to your husband. I just want to ask you, if this has encouraged you in any way today, would you just do me a favor? Would you please share this with all the women in your lives that are married or are in serious relationships? Because this is something that, we need marriage is like I said, it's hard. It's hard work and we need encouragement and we don't talk about this enough. We need strength and we need wisdom for marriage and we all need to keep growing and we need this word of encouragement in our lives, no matter where we're at, if we're thriving in our marriage or if we're really in a hard spot. So I know that this message, this conversation is not just for you. It's for other women. And I just would ask for you to Share it with all the women in your life and just bless them today and encourage them in their marriage because marriage and family is what is going to change the world. It is what is going to allow us to leave a lasting legacy. It is important. So the last thing I want to bring to your attention 
is just to remind you that there is also even a bigger picture. Jesus is coming back for a bride. He is coming back again, and we need to be ready for him. And I think that the friction of our marriage, the the tension and those differences, they're actually part of him providing opportunities to purify us, to refine us. So we can't focus on being the bride of Christ without paying attention to how we are as a bride in our home. So I'll leave that right there. But I want you to know that God is using your marriage to refine you, to purify you, to prepare you for God's return. Embrace the friction and allow him to cultivate fire in your marriage. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for the woman listening. God, you know her heart. You know her pain. You know her tears. You know all that she's been through. I know there's so many things that she has and that she carries and she holds. Lord, I just ask that you would give her the grace to forgive, the grace to love sacrificially, the grace to surrender to her husband but not even to worry about him, but just to focus on you, God. The answer is you. Lord, I pray that you would bring her to her knees, that she would seek you like never before, Lord. If she's struggling in her marriage, if she's, whatever she's going through, Lord, she would just run to you, that she would trust your leadership in her life so that she can trust her husband's leadership in her life, God. Lord, cultivate more unity and more oneness. Lord, I ask that you would give her the grace to allow her husband to grow and the patience to hold on. I pray that you would give her the grace to grow, Lord. Give her wisdom and discernment, the self-control to keep her mouth shut, or the grace to speak kindly and in the right time with loving words that she could help guide and direct her husband, Lord. Thank you that you have given her an amazing husband, that she's perfect for him, that they're the perfect team. God, use them. Use them for your glory, God. Lord, you love family and you desire family. And the enemy wants to destroy family at the core through hurting marriages. And we stand up in faith and we say, no more. Enough is enough. Jesus, be the center. Be our source. Be our life, God. We ask you to come in, Lord, and I ask you to just pour out your love over the woman listening right now, that she would just feel so loved by you, so loved, so held, and seen. I thank you, Jesus, for your goodness in our life, God. We trust you and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. you like Mama so. Hey mama, real quick before you run off and do all the things. If you found value in today's conversation, it would mean the world to me if you left a review and subscribed to my podcast. I know you know how precious time is. The biggest thank you you can give me for taking the time to share on this podcast is to leave a written review. This helps me on my mission to encourage and empower others who are pursuing their greatest potential from home. So head over to iTunes, scroll down to the bottom of the Nourishing Mompreneur podcast to rate and leave a super quick review to let me know what spoke to your heart. And if you're feeling a little extra today, take a screenshot of today's episode and tag me on social. 
I value your time so much and appreciate you connecting with me. Find me at nourishingmichelle.com forward slash connect. 